0: It's another Sunday Night in Comedy, and tonight we go one-on-one with a comedy heavyweight whose list of credits alone could fill the hour. From SNL to Conan, box office comedy hits like Anchorman and Thank You for Smoking, cult classics like Out Cold and Twin Peaks, or you might just know him best as Todd Packer from The Office. The list goes on and on and on. It's the one and only David Koechner. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. These are the Inside Jokes,
1: people. These are the Inside Jokes.
2: Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640
0: Toronto. You are listening to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto and, of course, streaming coast-to-coast. Canada-wide, and in fact, planet Earth-wide on the Global News Radio Network. Brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you read David Keckner's IMDb credits more clearly. How about that? Because we have a big guest on the show tonight. It is a full one-on-one hour with the one and only David Keckner His list of credits is staggering. It's a million miles long, but of course, you might know him best from some of his most cult classic characters, champ kind and anchorman todd packer from the office uh his voice alone is one of the most recognizable in comedy hugely excited to have him on the show with us and of course he's got some live shows coming up right here uh just next door in buffalo coming up at helium comedy club i of course have our producer vince tedesco on the line how you doing buddy
2: excited for today dino
0: not a not a bad way to uh get into season seven here david Go kachner ahead. one-on-one
2: you know hey it's 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 a comedy lover's dream when you get to interview, like, guys who are truly passionate about the art form. But when you get a guy like Koechner in, who's done so many platforms, film, TV, stand-up. And like you said, he's got that one of those iconic voices. It's just truly like uh, we're in Candyland today. So, yeah, it should be a good one.
0: Well, and even our listeners who don't know him by name definitely know him. I mean, he started off in SNL. He was a regular on Conan. But he has been in so many comedy films and TV shows that have been like complete culture changers for the last 20 plus years. I mean, his, his, our listeners definitely know his face. They definitely know his voice. His yeah. list of credits is insane. And he has so many cult characters that everybody knows. Uh, character even if,
2: actor. Isn't that the term? Character actor? He's a
0: character actor. In fact, one thing I want to ask him about, He's. I, I've always sort of viewed him as the Steve Buscemi of the comedy world. because Steve Buscemi was always one of those character actors that you see in everything. And before he became a household name, you would always go, Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy from that, that guy from that, he's in this now. And that's sort of David Koechner. I mean, he's been all of the comedy mega hits on the big screen, everything in television that has sort of changed things in the comedy world. Koechner's kind of just popped up in all of this stuff. So whether you know him by name or not, you definitely know him. So we're hugely excited to have him on the panel and it's all him, baby. One-on-one.
2: Yeah, and he's coming to Buffalo, New York. He's going
0: to Buffalo.
2: Just a drive up the QEW. Yeah, a couple of shows, October. Beautiful
0: Buffalo. You have to pass what? Hamilton and St. Catharines. Sorry about that, but you can go to Buffalo and watch yeah. him.
2: October things. 13th and 15th at Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo, New York. A great little venue. Catch David Keckman there coming up October 13th. Through the 15th, yeah. Should be a good one. Let's get it. There we
0: in. go. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we got a full hour right now, right here on Inside Jokes with David Keckner Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming coast-to-coast. Canada-wide, North America-wide, planet Earth-wide, on the Global News Radio Network, if you happen to be at home and have the internet, We have a full hour with an absolute comedy heavyweight. I'm so excited. This is such a perfect way to kick off Season 7. We have the one and only David Keckner on the air with us right now. He is, of course, coming live to Helium Comedy Club right next door in Buffalo coming up. He's got some dates there. Uh, lots to get into with this guy, though. David, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you feeling? We're good. We're so excited to have you on here. Because I mean, you know, I have always sort of viewed you and I hope I hope this is a compliment, but I've always sort of seen you as like a the comedy world's Steve Buscemi in a way, because all of our listeners who might not even who, you know, the listeners who don't know you by name know you. I mean, if you like your list of credits in film and TV and voice work, uh, I mean, starting out like people who know you even from back in your stint on SNL and of course years on Conan you've been in so many things that have shaped the culture of comedy over the years. So even people who don't know you by name, look at you and go, Oh yeah. Okay. He's in everything. I mean, the list of credits is staggering. So that's why I've always sort of viewed you that way. Um, but before we get into the shows at helium and all that stuff, I mean, you, of course, you came up in sketch, you came up in improv. That's sort of where you cut your teeth. And it's kind of funny because you have these live shows coming up at helium at the comedy club in Buffalo. There's still a lot of people in stand-up that sort of, View, stand, view sketch and improv as a completely separate thing and almost like thumb their noses at it and go, that's a different animal. It's not the same thing for you. I mean, it's influenced a huge part of what you do and who you are on stage. I mean, do you think it's important for stand-ups to actually go, now this is stuff that you should try out and that you should bring into your repertoire as a comic?
1: Well, I would say first thing you shouldn't do is uh, poo-poo anybody else's formula entertainment. I, that doesn't help. Yeah, now, The thing is, and the only people that know that are the people participating in sketch and stand-up. Most people going to a club or any show wouldn't know, oh, there's a rivalry or there's there's some <laughs> kind of consternation between improvisers and uh, stand-ups or whatever. So that's just an in-house beef, if you will, right? Yeah. And for the most of the public, it doesn't exist. And for the people that do participate in stuff like that, if they want to look for something to put in their way, God bless them. Cause that's all you're doing. You're wasting time. Who, who cares? You know, uh, if somebody wants to be an art purist, okay, then just go play your jazz uh, somewhere down on the block, you know, or yeah, yeah. no one listens to you. So yeah, that doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. Now I will say that when I was coming up there, there was, there's more of a, uh, uh, I guess, a prejudice between improv and stand up, or sketch and stand. Like you, like the, the people in sketch would say, you can't do both. Which is that's the dumbest thing, as right. if you came to a football game and you brought up basketball, you had no idea how to play one game or the other at this, you know. So that's that's, and I think that kind of notion's an older one that's no longer necessarily considered.
0: It is it is, it is kind of true, but yeah, you it's it's totally true when you have people like comics looking at it and going, oh, it's a completely a separate thing. I think it's exciting too for audiences who do know you from so many cult comedy hits and who know your face and your voice so distinctly from seeing you on screen to actually watch you live at a comedy club. It's almost like they get to kind of get a glimpse behind the scenes in a way because a lot of our listeners obviously know you from, they know you, from film, they know yeah. you from film, you know, they've never gotten to see you live. How much of a different experiences that like w- when people get to come see you at a comedy club when they see you at helium coming up how much of a different david keckner do we get because we always know you at, in character i mean we know you as your character right.
1: well you know i've got five kids that plays heavily into my show I, you can't avoid that you talk about what's going on in your life and that's certainly going on every second in my life uh, <laughs> but yeah there's also just uh you know whatever I guess it's it's going to be the different different the same. Like, you, you, if they come thinking they're only going to see Todd Packer and Champ Kind, right? That's a bit ridiculous. Um, I, I, though some people probably think that. Well, I don't know what that would be. Now, yeah. we do a office trivia show. Like, so in Buffalo, I'm doing an office trivia show. I'm doing – what am I doing in Buffalo? Let's see here. I, I've got so many shows coming up. I'm doing five different stand-up shows. Wow. One, and then a, a sixth show that is the Office Trivia with Todd Packer. So if they want their Office fixed, that's there. Yeah. Now, if, uh, but otherwise, I, there was a girl a couple weeks ago, she came to the show, and I, I don't know, I took pictures with some people, and she said, you know, um, a lot of people know you as Todd Packer. I said, okay. Well, I'm just saying, you know, you might want to think about that when you're doing your stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know what you do at your work. A lot of people know you for sharpening pencils. So maybe that's what you should... I, I didn't even know. What, how do you take that? Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? really. Uh, and the hardest thing for any stand-up, I think, to do is to describe what their stand-up is. All I know is I've been performing live since 19... When did I start classes? 1988. So live performance is something that's rich, uh, engaging, and uh, you know, it's it, it's a way for you to participate and enjoy live, you know, <clears throat> performance, I
0: guess. Well, and it, it has to be refreshing for you as a comic to go on stage and step outside of those characters and just do your material and and just be David Koechner and step away from that stuff and just talk about the material you want to talk about and talk about your life and just step outside of those things that we all, of course, know you as.
1: yo oh, yeah, of course, 100%. I mean, uh, if people, I, I can tell that audience is insistent on hearing a whammy, and I don't yeah. mind, you know. But wouldn't it be, I, to me, like, I don't know, what if I did a whole show that was only Champ Kind and Todd Packer? I think the audience, I don't know, after, after five minutes, like, okay, yay. But then be like, oh, what's happening <laughs> here now? You know, I, I guess if I wrote an entire show, I guess you could write a whole show that did that. Yeah, I, I, I had considered at one point doing a show which was Champ Kind versus Todd Packer. Right. Rob moderated. And so it'd just be a debate between Champ Kine and Todd Packer. And we could you could build that show by just doing it five minutes at a time with the audience and then seeing what you would build out with that. That's interesting. We dropped that idea. That idea didn't exist for a minute. And maybe that's the way to do five minutes of the show, <laughs> Camp versus Packer, on topics, and then that might leave the audience happy that they got what they wanted in terms of that. I'm going to make a note of that
0: right now. There you go. (laughs) I think the real reason to come to Helium in Buffalo, though, is so that we can actually see David Keckner live on stage. Yes, those are two characters that you are probably most well-known for to a sort of current audience, but I mean... We, you had you have had so many cult comedy characters over the years that, you know, that we all know and love before, way before Todd Packer and Champkind. Uh, but I do want to get into that after the break. But uh, I trust me, this. If, if,
1: I do, if I do a couple lines in the show, if in the show someone's yelling whammy. So I do a couple lines from Anchorman. I yeah. do a couple lines from The Office. Then after the show, people go, why didn't you do something out cold? I didn't exactly, hear you. Yeah. I didn't hear you. Doing lines? Yeah. You didn't do any lines from Waiting. You didn't do any lines from um, run, runny run. You didn't do any lines from um, uh, uh, whatever. And that's the, uh, the comebacks. I mean, I've, I've done shows before where I'll do a couple lines. Then people start yelling out lines, just yelling out different movie titles. Yeah. It's like, this isn't Keckner karaoke. I'm <laughs> a line from every movie I've done, which, you know, look, I'm flattered. I'm grateful. But, you know, it, this isn't a career retrospective. This is stand-up, tonight, folks. This is a gig, you know?
2: Um, you don't so, need a resume written. Yelled
1: back like
0: that, you know, that's what Chappelle was talking about before, too. He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to go do some new material and not have an audience ask me to say I'm Rick James every five minutes. You know? That's
1: true. Yeah, so he gets it.
0: I want to honor
1: what got them in the door. Yeah. I do. You came to hear that. Okay. But if you, if you like that, you're probably going to like me. All of it. So... I'm the guy that plays champ kind, you know, it's going to show up in another way, probably something that's esque, right? Champ yeah. or whatever, not intentionally, but that's just because that's who you are.
0: It's just and in there. He, yeah.
1: He did say that people are yelling. Yes. Rick James. <laughs> and if he said that the roof would fall off, right? Yay. <laughs> then we move on to the, to the show. So exactly. for me, that's kind of what I do. If, if you hear someone really wanting it, like okay, boom. I've also done it before, where I used to build it into my show, and then it seems to me like they're a bit disappointed. Like, oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't win. Yeah, that's right. You do want, you want know, to avoid the catchphrases, and then they want the catchphrases. Uh, there, are, you. I mean, you have some very interesting roles. I want to get get into by the way after the break, and I do. I do want to touch on Anchorman when we come back to because that really did sort of it sort of steered the course of where comedy movies went in the 2000s after that it sort of was at the cusp of a lot of things lots to get into we're going to come back after the break with more David Keckner one-on-one right here on Inside Jokes
1: Champ here I'm all about having fun you know get a couple of cocktails in me start a fire in someone's kitchen maybe go to SeaWorld take my pants off Anyway, i become kind of famous for my signature catchphrase, WHAMMY! As in, Gene Tennis at the plate. Uh, WHAMMY! <laughs> WHAMMY!
0: back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you read David Keckner's IMDb credits more clearly. How about that? We have the one and only David Keckner on the air with us, one-on-one. Uh, yeah, David, there's, I mean, we were talking before the break, of course, about how, you know, you have these shows coming up at Helium and Buffalo, and this is this is an evening with David Keckner This is you doing stand-up. Yes, we know you as so many characters, but this is us getting to watch you perform live, what your material is right now in this moment purely out of character, purely as a standup. What, I, I mean, and yes, you, you talked about this before the break, about how many people do, of course, know you as Todd Packer, do, of course, know you as Champ Kind. Um, Anchorman was a funny thing, though, because, first off, I remember seeing that in the theater. That is the only time I've ever seen an applause break at the end of a movie in a theater let alone such an absurd yeah like people stood up and did a standing ovation it wasn't a film there was nobody there. I've never heard that before it was so strange and like there was no one there to receive that applause it just happened and it's I've never seen that before and I've certainly never seen that at the end of such an absurd off-the-wall comedy movie because watching that even back then watching that when it came out you really got the sense of like these this is a bunch of comics just I think having fun together and trying to crack each other up, it seemed like such a ridiculous off the wall thing that we were somehow just invited in to watch. And it came at an interesting time too, because I mean, we, we already knew your face. We already knew your voice. Paul Rudd had been around for a while, but he hadn't, he hadn't become the household name of Paul Rudd yet. We had, we recognized him, but he wasn't kind of there yet. Steve Carell, of course, people knew him from the daily show at the time. And he was sort of coming into his own uh, will Ferrell had just stepped out of SNL at that point really was fresh from that. So it really anchorman came along at this interesting time that kind of set the course for what was to come. It was right at the cusp right before the whole Apatow explosion that came into the two thousands. It really kind of set the tone for what comedy was going to be for the next while. It really was this sort of landmark thing. I don't, when you guys were making it, did it, was it just like, we're just doing this silly ridiculous thing that we hope people will like? Cause I feel like it had more of an impact than maybe you guys were expecting.
1: Well, I can only speak for myself. Um, you know, I met McKay in 1990s. So this is 2003 when we we're shooting it, and I met uh, Steve Crowell at the same time. Uh, I had not met Paul yet, and I'd known Will since '95. Yeah. And to me, the script was the funniest thing I'd ever read. So my aspirations for it were, you know, very high. I'm like this. To me, I honestly thought like this is uh, funniest thing ever written that I've ever read. Or, or been in. And I thought this is what's exactly necessary. Now, the thing is, the first movie was not a hit, as they say. Because right. They dumped it in August, which back then, pardon me, back then, that was considered the dumping ground, like the dog days of summer. Yeah. And also, the studio didn't get behind it necessarily. And um, it only made $84 million, which that's a lot of money. But back then, the benchmark for a hit comedy was $100 million. Right. And, you know, some of the some of the um, marketing for the film, I think some people, I, I'd heard with some, you know, like, what the f- is that? Yeah. We bring you the news so you don't have to go get it yourself? Is that compelling? That, that was the tagline for the movie on the poster. <laughs> we bring you the news so you don't have to go get it yourself. What's that mean? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That's just, that doesn't mean anything. That's not going to make anyone go see a movie. So, but anyway... And a lot of people at first didn't understand this is a satire, right? Yeah. Um, so I've heard that people didn't get it to the second viewing and that's not good, right? People should get it right away. But you, maybe you like, you're saying you're trained to watch comedies a certain way. Yeah. And until you get a different, an evolution, then you go, Oh, I see. This is not, they're not just going to spoon fit it, feed it to me. I get to think about it for a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Like that. I don't speak for the film. I can only speak from my experience of it. But then what happened um, a couple of years, you know, it be, then we still had DVD and cable. So that's when it really blew up on DVD and cable. And then a couple years later, like five years after Adam and Will start seeing still news teams at Halloween. Yeah. So yeah. It shows you something five, six, seven years, news teams at Halloween. And then they pitched an idea to Paramount. We were actually going to go to Broadway for three months and we were going to do some type of version of the of the movie because the Marx Brothers used to used to start their shows on Broadway, get them ready, and then go film them. So yeah. that was going to be my understanding. Was that was going to happen for this thing. And then I think, I think at year year seven, like, so this would have been two thousand and nine. The first time I heard maybe this is going to happen, and then it didn't happen. And then there was still some talk of it. And then I think um, what came out a Book of Mormon. And it was such right. a, story. and Adam and Will said, "Oh no, they got that right. That they're making fun of, you know, some tropes that we wanted to make fun of. So let's just go ahead and do the movie." And then that's how that went. So,
0: yeah. Well, and it kind of it did become, as you said, it sort of became this cult thing that really, yeah. the, you know, the studio didn't give it the love that it deserved. But then people found their way to it. It just blew up and became this pop culture phenomenon in a way. And it came along at an interesting time because it was sort of in this period where we didn't really know what the tone of comedy on the big screen was yet at that time. We're coming out of the nineties. The nineties was all about, you know, national lampoon and fairly brothers and very like physical kind of gross out gags in a way. Anchorman came along at a time in the early two thousands where we were kind of going, okay, well that's where things are headed. Now these are the faces we're going to see on screen. This is sort of the way the sensibility is going. It had to be a hard set to be on though, for you guys. Like there had to be a million outtakes on that. I have to imagine. Oh Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, I don't know what people were doing before that, but we improvised a ton and, you know, Adam. Adam has an improv background. So, you know, when you've got a director that knows how he would use improvisation in his film. And also he's the writer director along with Will. They both have an improv background. And they both are encouraging us to improvise, which, you know, a lot of writers would be very, you know, like the written word is sacred. I I want to get it that way. Yeah. So don't you dare try so they're not afraid of anything. They're they're confident what we've written. We will film it three or four times. So we've got that in the can. So what's the harm in improvising? we might find something. If we don't, no harm, no foul. But if we do, my God, you know, it could be brilliant. And oftentimes it's a hybrid, like half the line was written and half was improvised, stuff like that. So, plus what it really does, and for my mind, is it really supercharges the actors because you're listening in a different way, which you're supposed to be listening anyway, yeah. as an actor. But a lot of times the actors listen, listen, that's the end of your line, now it's my turn. But if you're improvising you've really got to be super engaged it really kind of electrifies everything
0: and what well one one role of yours that i always found really interesting too that kind of caught me by surprise at the time was thank you for smoking because you know it was a dark comedy it's a satire film it's but almost in a way that was you sort of stepping into the dramatic and it was it was kind of interesting seeing you at the table with aaron Eckhart and with maria bello and i was like oh that's interesting david keckner's in this role And I always wondered, because we've seen you in character in so many different personas over the years, and you are so ingrained with what comedy culture was in the 90s, the 2000s now, we've seen you in so many characters, I always sort of wondered, have you ever thought of doing that step into the dramatic? I always call it a reverse John C. Riley when that happens, but (laughs) we had, I mean, Gaffigan was on last year and he was talking about that. He said, you know, people know me as talking about my kids and talking about Hot Pockets, but all of a sudden there was. During Covid, he was found himself in like a dozen independent films and he's playing a serial killer, and he's doing all these dark sort of dramatic turns. It feels like it's sort of a natural transition for a lot of comics that we know from sketch and stand-up. Has that ever sort of crossed your mind? Has that stuff ever sort of came across your desk at all? Yeah, there's a couple
1: times. There's a couple things I've done, but most recently, there's one called ganymede and I just shot it this summer, and I know that they've already been invited to South by Southwest based on the script. and that, is a drama and straight up no, no comedy in that thing. It's a, it's a gay coming of age film is how I describe it first and foremost, but it's through, you know, through pain and torture,
0: really. Yeah.
1: I play a really nasty pastor who uh, is hell bent on, you know, changing this kid's mind in the worst possible way. Yeah. So it's a really, it's, it's a dark film, (coughs) but yeah, that was definitely a dramatic turn. There's a film that didn't get much. Uh, what was it called? It was called The Headhunter is Calling. I don't know. Some some of them go out there and it might be a drama, and you're like, I never never saw it like that. I don't keep a, a ticking uh, uh, thing of it. You know, I, Twin
0: Peaks, not necessarily a comedy. So, well, that's actually one that I wanted to ask you about because, yeah, you did. You were in the Twin Peaks sort of follow up season that came out in 2017. I have to say, I was always a massive fan of the original Twin Peaks. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. But I remember watching, sitting at home streaming that thing, and I was like, even by David Lynch standards, what the hell am I? I enjoyed it, but I was like, this is not necessarily for a wide audience. Like, this is, he went full Lynch here. Yeah. And I had to ask you, like, when you guys got the pages for this thing, were you able to even make sense of it? Or did you just kind of go, hey, it's David Lynch. I'm just going to roll with it. You don't get the whole script.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. So, the audition was an interview. You go in and you sit, and there's a camera, and the casting director just talks to you. Yeah. You're not even auditioning with sides, you're just talking. So, I think I have no idea what he wants. But like, I don't know the process. I've never, no one's ever said, here's why we did that. Yeah. He must, you must be on his radar, number one, correct? <laughs> yeah. So you're on his radar. I like that actor, actress. They're interesting. See if I, my guess is, see if they're normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah see if they come in and they act normal and they take direction from the casting director and answer your questions or if they're just crazy I have no idea yeah right so that happened and then for the script you get the scripts that morning when you walk damn, damn shooting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so oh no the night before so you don't even know I, I, know, we, I know we have tight on time. I'll tell you the rest of it on the other side
0: all right I, yeah I really do want to hear about this all right we're going to come back with more one-on-one with David Keckner. we'll be right back right here on Inside Jokes
1: Two thumbs and likes to bone your mom. <laughs> this guy!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are so bad!
1: Yeah!
2: Oh, dude, so bad! Skyrockets in flight. Afternoon delight.
0: Afternoon delight. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. We are, of course, one on one tonight on the panel with the one and only David Keckner, which I mean, you know him as so many characters, but he is coming live to Helium Comedy Club right next door in Buffalo coming up. Uh, but some interesting roles in the career so far that we're getting into. Before the break, you just sort of started touching on Twin Peaks. Uh, that was, I think, one of the more interesting ones recently. You were in the 2017 follow up to Twin Peaks, which, again, for our listeners who haven't seen that season of the show, Buckle in. I mean, it is it it is a very Lynchian ride, even by David Lynch standards. It's 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 a whole other level. He certainly went full Lynch. But you said because I was I was asking you before the break. I was wondering when you get the sides, when you get the script, if you can even sort of piece it together. But you were telling us you just sort of go in, have an interview, and then you see you see your part of the script basically the night before you start shooting. The night I heard that about him though that he wants to sort of keep actors sort of unawares and in this sort of state where they're on their toes.
1: Well, I guess that means he believes you're already good enough actor that it's and the writing is good enough. You just do it, and that's true. If the writing is good enough, you should be able to walk in, put the coat on, and go. Yeah. If, but if you know, and that's also his style, and because it's about the project, not necessarily the actor. He's just moving these things around. So you get there, <clears throat> you see the sides the night before. In my particular scene, it's Fusco one and Fusco two. Yeah. I don't, and my 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 role is Fusco. Am I one or two? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get there that the, the day, get there on time. Uh, there's three people there for Fusco one and Fusco two. I'm like wait a minute, Fusco one, Fusco two, but there's three Fuscos. And so it happened to be me, uh, Larry Clark, and Eric Idelstein, all three character actors lovely guys we happen to all be irish catholic guys we sit in each other we sit in the one well we sit in larry's room we're all talking for an hour because you know we don't have to report to set yet and we're we're saying the same thing like i don't who's have you been told who you are like no i have no idea then lunch comes right before lunch they send the three of us down to um the set and david lynch goes okay okay great fusco's your brothers okay you're the fusco brothers uh your Fusco one, Fusco two, Fusco three. You figure it out? Great, great, great. Okay, I'll see you after lunch. Okay. <laughs> so we go back to our trailer. And I happen to be the oldest. I said, well, I'll just be. There was no difference in the number of lines. It's like, it wasn't like one part was bigger than the other. Yeah. On the sides, you know. So I said, I'll, I'll since I'm the oldest, I'll just be Fusco one, two, three. Boom. So we get there, go to set. And so then it's, you know, uh, I just take the first Fusco line. I mean, that's, the, you know, whatever. So I, I do the Fusco. I be Fusco one He goes, who's who? Great, great. All right. And then uh, he has us do the scene, rehearse it. And he says to Eric, okay, at that point, okay, you, Fusco 3, you you, you squeak out a little laugh. You know that laugh you do? Because he, that means like, oh, he's seen stuff this guy has done. And yeah. he likes his laugh from whatever, right? Good. Perfect. Great, great, great. And then you do it. And it's magical and you can't believe it and uh, then you know the other stuff the whole the whole scene is, is, is ephemera because it's all him and he's got uh, a, a megaphone uh, yeah. but he is you know 10 feet from the set and he whispers into it action and uh, <laughs> he's also smoking and he can't smoke so he carries around uh, uh, an ashtray and a small uh, fire he's doing shirt <laughs> Carries around an ashtray and a small fire extinguisher which clearly they go that's the compromise they must have made with the insurance company yeah <laughs> it's all delicious and then he'll come in and give lines like i remember one line he gave like he gave to uh to larry clark it was a an, it was a um uh, it was a, a a direction okay great great now uh uh fusco too uh pretend you're getting this information from the wind. Okay. Got it. Right, right before. Okay. You just heard this from the wind. All right. And okay, great. Stuff like that. You're like, Oh my Lord. And there's another fellow that was having a bit of trouble getting his line out. Not the one of the three of us. And um, he was quite nervous. And so then David comes in he says, okay, right before the line, uh, you, you do this, huh? Like you're making a jazz hands move in a musical. And I was like, what the f***? <laughs> but he did it, and the kid was able to get his line out. Because then he wasn't thinking about his line. He's thinking about doing this this action. Right. It's, uh, it's stuff like that. It's just just beautiful. And you're so happy that you can be
0: a part of that. Well, and that's the thing, too, because, you know, so many people have worked for him. It's, and we always know you. Everything you're in, we know you as a standout character. We always go... Okay, you sort of steal that scene. You always have, you always generate these cult characters. You always sort of leap off the screen in what you're doing. When you're in Twin Peaks, when you're working for David Lynch, it's an orchestra. He's a conductor. You you just go there and be absorbed into it. You're just yeah. part of the whole sort of tone. It's all one big sort of you know, it's all sort of one big pastel together thing. You're not there as a standout character. You just get absorbed into it. Hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: And you know, you're just happy to be there, right? Like you can't control it, you're not gonna try harder. You just want to try to do exactly how you how you be one of the notes on his page to yeah. extend to extend your metaphor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was a unique. You know, it's one of those things you, you hope you had get a lot of cool shit in your career, and yeah. god damn it, that's one of the coolest.
0: That, that's a nice feather in the cap. You know, for sure, that's that's true.
1: I know that. So and and the other part is you never know we're going to get really important friendships and so me Eric Edelstein and Larry Clark were able to we were brothers in that movie and we're still brothers in life I mean yeah. we and he, the three of us have lunch about once a month we you know are constantly not constantly but we're always texting each other like a family would and I love those guys and it's yeah. it just it's, it was something very special and recently Larry said let's do something I'm like. Yes. Just the three of us. He goes, well, I'm not sure what it is. I said, Larry, I don't care what it is. Me, you and Eric doing anything for two or three minutes on film is going to work. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why is it before we jump to break, by the way, because you were talking about Ganymede earlier as well. Why is it, do you think, because I mean audience is watching you and all the things we've seen you and we would not picture you skewing into the dark or the dramatic, but it's kind of funny. It always seems like it is just always on just the opposite side of the coin. Why do you think it is that comics are actually so sort of easy able to pivot into that? It's always, it's almost like there's like the darkness is always just there just under the surface. It always seems like this sort of easy pivot for comics.
1: If I had to attempt an answer, I would say because perhaps the audience allows the comics to um take them on a journey of surprise because that's yeah. their, that's our job i've got to take you somewhere where you didn't know you were going to go and that's how the laughter happens so if we have that trust then maybe i'll i'll follow you on a different journey now sometimes you're resistant to it if they try to go too far yeah like that i'm not now the lead in a drama if that's the case there might be some resistance because i'm doing a part in a drama that might be delightful. Like, Oh my God. Okay. He's decided to take me to a different place and I didn't come for him necessarily. Didn't come just for that. I came for the rest of it and that showed up in a maybe hopefully a delightful way. That's his, that's an answer. I a good <laughs> answer. There's, a, there's an answer guys. I, I
0: think that sums it up perfectly. All right. We're going to come back and wrap it up or one-on-one with David Keckner and our producer Vince has some, Kansas City-specific things he wants to pick a on. We're going to come back with more David Keckner right here on Inside Jokes.
1: You're listening to Inside Jokes. My name is David Keckner, and I'm inside your jokes. You want to be a bird?
0: Back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And we are, of course, one-on-one with comedy heavyweight David Keckner. You know him and love him. as so many different characters over the years. But more importantly, he is coming next door to Buffalo. He will be live coming up at Helium Comedy Club. Our producer, Vince Tedesco, of course, wants to sort of swing the conversation over a little bit. We've talked showbiz. We've talked acting. We've talked comedy. We're going to get into a little Kansas City stuff right now. Vince, over to you.
2: Mr. Keckner. All yes, right. Sir. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Two things I want to know. Two things I want to know. <laughs> As a beloved Chiefs fan, as you are, um, so many of your comedy colleagues are, Now you know, were talking, Paul Rudd, Eric yeah. Street, Rob Riggle, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Mr. Ted Lasso himself, all Kansas City Chiefs fans. What is it about the water in Kansas City that, A, brings out the funniness? How come so many comics are Chiefs fans? And two, how do you think your Chiefs are going to do this year, buddy? Well, I'm going
1: to tread lightly because I know where I'm headed. We're talking about Buffalo. You're going to share. Buffalo, win or lose, that game last year in the playoffs was, one, was, of the greatest, was one, of the, one of the greatest games in the history of the NFL, okay? So we have that together. We share that, Buffalo. Really, you know, you guys are, are amazing. This, I'm so happy how, how, how great Buffalo is again. When I was a kid and Buffalo went to the Super Bowl four times, Buffalo, I wanted you to win all four times. Really badly. <laughs> I, I wanted Marv Levy to walk away with the Lombardi trophy, okay? Now, having said that, the Chiefs look amazing. You know, we, the only game we lost, we didn't have our kicker, uh, and we would have won that game so far. But it's still early in the season. You know, you guys lost a game. It doesn't matter, Right. Whoever ends right. up in the end, you start strong. You, you peter out. Who knows? But I think both these teams are very deep uh, on offense and defense, and it's going to be a it's going to be a battle to the end. Uh, you know, we're probably going to we're probably going to meet again.
2: Well, that's for sure. I'm a Bengals fan, but hey, shout out to the Bills. No worries. That's even worse. <laughs> Cause the, cause the Bengals, no, because the Bengals knocked us out. I I hey, last year yeah. was a miracle season for us too. Yeah. But what is it with Rudd, Sadekus Stone Street Wriggle? Hechner. What? How, how? How How? are so many funny people Chiefs
1: fans? That's an interesting, I don't know. I've never put pen and pencil to that one. Um, so I grew up in a small town in central Missouri, so I'm not really from Kansas City. My ex was from there. My sisters all live there now. Um, but my, my mother was just, grew up just north of Kansas City, so I guess by all intents and purposes, I'm a Kansas Cityan too. Um, mm-hmm. But why were all Chiefs fans? Because we grew up there. How this particular group of people around the same age all made it in show business, um, my guess is I'm going to attribute that to Saturday Night Live. We're all fans yeah. of Saturday Night Live and, and came of age when it first came on the air. And then that was the pursuit, like so many other
2: people. Now, are you guys on a group chat? Do you all tailgate together? How often do you guys get together?
1: Riggle uh, <laughs> and I, for a number of years, had hosted a tailgate for this uh, a charity we do for Children's Mercy Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we got it together this year for a number of reasons, just because we're coming off COVID once again. Um, God, did we do it like I can't even remember the last time we did it. Maybe we did do it last year, but we hosted a tailgate for that. I typically make it back for one or two games a year. My touring schedule is so intense this year, unlike any other, that I don't. I'm looking at my board up there, <laughs> all my stand up upcoming. coming.
0: You got like a little but, John um, Cash, yes. beautiful mind going on up there. That's a lot of days. <laughs>
2: The only, thing, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about Kansas City is where's the best place for barbecue?
1: Your opinion. Well, the the, the thing is, I always say this is an easy one. Uh, my cousin, uh, my my cousin, my brother-in-law Tim, uh, does tons of barbecue competitions. So, as far as I'm concerned, Tim Hand's house is the best place to
0: get barbecue.
2: <laughs> well, best ribs, hands down, across the United States of America, in my opinion, Kansas City, Missouri. I've been there myself. Here we go. The ribs, two thumbs up.
0: It is, it is, I think, should be the, the undisputed barbecue capital. David Kegner, I mean, we could talk to you all day. I wish we could. But before we do let you go, uh, yes. Where? what are your dates? Where can we catch you live coming up at Helium Comedy Club here in Buffalo?
1: Yes, Helium Comedy Club. That is going to be, where is it? Right there. <laughs> October 13, 14, 15. Good God. Then the House of Comedy in Bloomington, Minnesota, October 27, 28, 29. And then Helium in Indianapolis, November three, four, five, and then funny bone Des Moines, November eleven, twelve, 12. And then, uh, Toledo, Ohio,
0: November eighteen.
1: <laughs> 19. Guys. There we go. Buddy, we man. got a busy it's calendar busy coming
0: up. David Kegner. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's great to hear again, not just about obviously the characters we all know you as, but some of these great behind the scenes stories from some of our favorite roles we've done too. Um, but excited to see you live coming up in Buffalo. And of course to all our listeners, Check out those dates. He'll be at Helium coming up. Thank you again so much, man. Hey, gang, get the jokes. I had a, I had a, I
1: had a, uh, I studied in New York briefly when I was out there doing the Real Life Brady bunch off Broadway, and I studied with a guy named Bobby Lewis. And my favorite thing that he would do, and this is a drama class, and he was with the Group Theater, which became part of um, uh, the Actors Studio. Yeah, and he would say, "These are the jokes, people." these are the jokes and he'd say it like he's so sad that you're not getting the jokes these are the jokes people so i'm gonna say that these are the inside jokes people these are the inside jokes
0: oh. that is the best way to end it on that is our show do not miss the one and only david keckner coming up live helium and buffalo don't forget you can listen to all of our shows right back to the dawn of time on global news online we'll be back next week hi
2: this is alicia carusi And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx is certified comedy legend, David Koechner. Enjoy.
1: Our house is a symphony of chaos. It is noise. On top of noise, on top of more noise, and then there's an echo of more noise. It's just noise. Seven people live in this house, and we have three dogs. these three dogs are always terribly concerned about what's going on outside of the house. And they're very earnest in alerting you to what's going on outside. I believe if dogs had a vocabulary, it would be one word. Hey! 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 Hey, 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 hey! Hey what? Yeah, I know, a car just pulled in the driveway. Guess what? They live here.